1: Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30am to 2.30pm serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at Poor Richard's Cafe located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Taylor Raglin and Devin Hassan. Uh, let's see, it is Monday, the first of July, and with the start of July, that means a a, a tried and true a, a tradition around the uh, around the sports department, and that is another edition of the Varsities, our uh, our high school sports awards that we've uh, we've been doing now for I guess what this is the seventh year. It is um you know basically our uh, our little high school sports spin on the ESPYS. You know the ESPYS has their big awards. Ceremony in the middle of uh, in the middle of July, so we decided just you know what let's kind of take that same concept and let's recognize some of these standout athletes, coaches, teams, just moments period from I guess the last year of high school sports coverage. Now um, as has been you know the case for several years, we split this up into three parts, three parts, three awards for each part, so nine awards total. The first part is um you know best game, breakthrough athlete, and just the biggest story from each market throughout the uh, the 2018-19 high school sports year. Um, so we're going to take um, and this will be the case for the next, I guess, what the next three episodes of the podcast on Monday at least. We'll um, we'll take one award from that week's installment of the Varsities and um, just kind of discuss the thought process that went into how we um, how we arrived at the uh, at the selection for each of our markets. Um, now last year we did Breakthrough Athlete mm-hmm. um, for this first um, for this first edition. So we're going to switch things up. We're going to talk Best Game, and what were our selections for Best Game? Um, yeah, just throughout the uh, throughout the school year. I mean, we covered games. You know, two nights a week, sometimes three. Four I got nights a whole a year this year. Yeah, <laughs> last year
2: I only had a couple months to draw from. I got a whole season.
1: And We did that for what nine, ten months. So I'm um, obviously plenty of uh, plenty of worthy selections to pick from from each of our markets. So um, yeah, Devin, let's start with you, man. Just whether it was Rowlett or Mesquite, what did you arrive on as far as your uh, your pick for best game in 2018-19?
3: You know, and, and I actually had this conversation even before we started doing to kind of putting together our varsities uh, about a month ago. Somebody asked me what was the, last, the best game you saw all season. Um, and there was a couple that, that, you know, kind of jumped out. You know, Mesquite kicking a last-second field goal to beat Horn. Uh, it was kind of a signature win of, of oh, their yeah. season. Um you know, Ryland-Saxi girls' soccer was one of the best games I saw uh, in terms of just what was on the line. That mm-hmm. was for the district championship. And it was just a back-and-forth game. But uh, like I told that person I was talking to, the one thing I keep going back to, and I know I'm supposed to pick a game that my team wins, <laughs> but they think I cover wins. <laughs> but uh, Poteet and Tyler John Tyler football yeah. was the one that just keeps coming back to my mind. Uh, you know, it was for the 7-5A Division one uh, championship championship. You know, everybody kind of knew that those two teams were the ones to beat. They kind of figured they were going to be undefeated coming in, and they were. Mm. And it, uh, I mean, it just really lived up to the hype, and you can't say that about a lot of games, that uh, they come back for a district championship. didn't start off that way. John Tyler jumps out 21 nothing in the first quarter. I mean, it's like Boteet mm. just decided not to play. But uh, they started getting things going in the second quarter. They scored twice to get back to 21-15. Uh, Tyler, John Tyler goes back up. They get a touchdown right before halftime. Uh, Devlin Woods, their quarterback, to Keandre Street. And I'll come back to them later because that was a nightmare matchup for Poteet <laughs> all night long. So um, John Tyler's up twenty-nine to fifteen at half. Petite keeps trying. They keep chipping away, but John Tyler answers them. You think it's pretty much done. John Tyler goes up uh, with about six and a half minutes left in the game, 41 to 29. Uh, you know, and you think, okay, well, does Poteet have it in him? Well, Poteet comes right back down and scores. Seth McGowan is able to score from mm-hmm. two yards out to make it a one-score game, but can they get that stop? They haven't been able to get that crucial stop all game long. Uh, they do it. On fourth down, they hold right near midfield. Uh, you know, still work to be done. Mm-hmm. There's there's a couple minutes left. Uh, you know, on third and ten, Dalton Dale finds Cam Lampkin for a 50-yard completion down in the two Uh the very next play, Seth McGowan plows in for his fourth touchdown of the game from two yards out. And there it is. There's the miracle. 44 41, 15 seconds <laughs> yeah. left. 15 seconds <laughs> left with <was> enough time. <laughs> and, um, you know, John Tyler, to their credit, uh, they get down near midfield. Seth McGowan actually came in on defense as a defensive end and sacked Devlin Woods on third down. And, and you thought that was it, and there was some discussion. I, I, Poteet thought the game was going over. They were on the field celebrating. Officials ruled, no, 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 oh. one second left. One second left. And, it's always uh, a bad sign. It feels yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. It's, just, <laughs> yeah it's, it's just yeah, bad juju. Um, and again, that one second was all it took. Uh, I mentioned Devlin Woods to Keandre Street. Uh, Keandre Street had over 215, or 250 yards receiving, uh, four touchdowns, and the fourth touchdown was the one on, on a Hail Mary as time expired. That Poteet had well defended. I mean, yeah. you, you, you throw, you, you know, I had, had the video to go in. You see a sea of Poteet guys in yep. the end zone, they're ready to defend it. But Keandre Street, they couldn't solve them all night long, they couldn't solve them in that last game. He goes up gets it, and uh, there it is, 48-44, but just like I say, it's one of those games that doesn't just stick in your mind. For this game, I mean, I'll, I'll remember this, this game 20 years from now. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's just one of those just incredible, incredible games. Um, sorry, Poteet fans, I'm not trying to bring up bad memories or anything like that. <laughs> but I'm going to do, uh, was... do the same thing to Adam in football <laughs> if you want. So. Yeah. So, but it, it, it really was just yeah. one of those memorable games.
1: I do feel like yeah, if the game has a, because I mean the finish is always the thing that kind of sticks in your mind the most. If you have a game that has just this uh, a highlight real finish the types of which you just don't see all too often that's kind of what puts a lot of these games over the top as far as just their staying power and really um, yeah and just their the merit of something like the best game that I that you saw over the course of the year and that's kind of where I arrived with uh, with Lake Dallas mm-hmm. and, and what the boys soccer team was able to do in their first round matchup against Saginaw the kind of finish that I'm not sure I'll ever see that oh game. no yeah no, no matter whether it's watching high school whether it's if I ever decide to watch you know uh, an EPL game Game or an FC Dallas game or whatnot, just just the sheer odds of a finish like what Lake Dallas had against Saginaw is it's a needle in a haystack type of scenario um, it is crazy to think now in hindsight like what they were able to accomplish from that like a team that went on to the regional finals mm-hmm. they were mere seconds away from going yeah. one and done I mean so Lake Dallas was down to Saginaw two to one you know inside the final minute of the uh, of the match and this is a Lake Dallas team that had won its first ever district championship coming off a great regular mm-hmm. season really seemed primed to make a deep run and then I mean it's like I said just on the on the absolute doorstep of getting bounced in the first <laughs> round and then then um, I mean I'll never forget the sequence you know Brock Pope you know sends a ball into the box the Saginaw keeper saves it and then a skirmish ensues and Lake Dallas is awarded a, uh, a PK inside the final minute now trailing two to one
2: inside the final 15 seconds yeah. right <laughs>
1: something yes very very close yeah so Carlos Zamora he takes the PK you know the uh, the keeper guesses right bats it away but obviously it's still the ball's still in play so more runs up and then boots in the rebound for the goal to tie it up with like 15 10 15 seconds left sends the game into overtime and just an absolute just heart-stopping equalizer and then you get to overtime and you, know, you think maybe Lake Dallas can feed off of that momentum and and, you know find that uh, that game winner and it doesn't come you know in the first 10 minutes it looks like it's not going to come in the uh, in the second 10 minutes and it looks like a pk shootout is is, is inevitable and then they just uh you know they just lob a, a perfect ball over the top of the defense to anthony patty who's just right there in the clear wasn't offsides or anything like that and he just goes in boots the uh, the game winner with again like 10 seconds left in the second overtime and just like that i mean just what a just the fact that you get not just one goal <laughs> yeah. inside the final 15 seconds but two goals one in regulation one in overtime I mean just what an incredible finish and I mean yeah just to see what Lake Dallas was able to do in building off of that. They
2: kept doing it too yeah. and Patty especially they that, kept doing it I mean they, that was a there were plenty of candidates for my game of the year for Lake Dallas that were soccer as well mm-hmm. but none of them topped what you saw it was nuts.
1: Where did you arrive though for your Lake uh, your Lake City's game of the year?
2: Kind of like Devin I had a football game that, that came down to the mm-hmm. wire and that was um, non-competitive I guess for for a little bit to put it nicely, uh, it was Lovejoy's homecoming. Actually, Lake Dallas went to Lovejoy um, for their homecoming game, and I believe Lovejoy got out to a 28 to nothing, um, first half lead. And it just looked like, you know, why are we even playing second half? I mean, it, it, Lake Dallas couldn't do anything on offense. Um, Ryan Deverschmidt typically so good. I mean, they were barely getting past midfield, they weren't doing anything. Um, and Lovejoy was just rolling, uh, dominating, really good on defense, and then. All of a sudden, it just completely flipped. You know, Lake Dallas scored a couple times um, in the first half. I don't remember exactly the halftime uh, deficit, but, you know, it was still a score or two, and, and they had some life. Um, but you figured that, okay, you know, go into half, Love Joe makes more adjustments, come back out. Jahi Rainey looked like he couldn't be stopped. Uh, Carson Collins was throwing the ball really well. They'll figure it out. You know, they'll, they'll kind of go back and forth, but, you know, 28 to nothing's is a big enough lead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it proved to be. But by the slimmest of margins, um, you know, Lake Dallas comes back, uh, rumbles all the way back with Lovejoy scoring, I believe three points to Lake Dallas's, you know, t- multiple like four touchdowns uh, to get within <laughs> to get within three points. Uh, the role's just completely reversed. Um, and then, like you guys said, it's always a finish that you remember. So, you know, Lake Dallas, a touchdown wins it um you know after an Anthony Patty field goal I believe with um uh, eight minutes in the fourth quarter that got him uh close got him within one score um Lake Dallas gets the ball back gets down to I believe the Lovejoy eight I mean close like the 18 mm-hmm. and that's plenty of you know that's plenty close for Ryan Dempersmith and, and Kylie Smith and um you know Brandon Engel and and that love that Lake Dallas offense uh pardon me that was that was so explosive last year um and on the very last play, it just wasn't meant to be You know, Lovejoy. Um, Sean Sumners gets a sack, uh, the place goes crazy. Great homecoming finish uh, for him, for the Leopards in general. Um, ended up being, you know, it was, it's memorable because of how strange that game was. And I think I, I said as much mm-hmm. in, in the written portion of the varsies. um, You know, it's, it's memorable not just because it was a close game and because of the finish, but just because of how strange it was that Lovejoy was completely unstoppable. You know, out to a 28 to nothing lead, just looked like it was over before it even began and then all of a sudden you know, now it's down to a final play when it, it had no business being that close. So it was a it's a strange one. It was a fun one. The final play was was fun, obviously, and and uh, the homecoming, I guess, kind of puts the cherry on top. It was a it was a crazy night.
1: You know, David, you mentioned not wanting to hurt anybody's feelings by picking a game that one of your schools lost, and um, I had to do that unfortunately for for Allen and the uh, <laughs> and their football team. It's it is odd, you know, to you know to pick you know pick this game considering it's like what their third loss since October right. two thousand
3: twelve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous.
1: I mean, but like, there's just no getting, but like, and there were some some worthy contenders for this as far as the best game that I saw, at least out of uh, at the Allen part of my coverage, you know, from Allen Rockwall football in the second round and just the uh, the fear of God that Jackson and Jackson yeah. Smith, yeah. Jacob Smith, <laughs> Jacob Clark and, the, and Rockwall put into Allen in the uh, in the second round of their playoff run to uh, Allen girls basketball against Flugerville Hendrickson in the regional semifinals and them withstanding 40 points from Michaela Woods hmm. and, uh, and Hendrickson with, um, I mean, yeah, just, is, is just an absolute nuclear performance by the Allen offense and Niagara and some of their just lights out shooters. Um, but ultimately, though, I had to settle on uh, Allen and Duncanville football man. It was one of the most anticipated football games all of last season. A game that, like, when the season started, and you're just kind of looking through the regions, like mm-hmm. those were the odds on favorites to uh, to make it out of their respective uh, their respective regions and square off in the state semifinals. And then as you get closer with each week, just the buzz is building because Duncanville is building this historical season with their defense and just some of the gaudy numbers they were putting up. How will it fair, though, against an Allen team that is that is the most credentialed high school football team in the state right now with just the run that they've been on with, uh, you know, what, I mean, what, five state championships since 2008. Just a, the kind of run that you just don't see out of any high school football program at the highest level yeah, not of UIL. Yeah, Certainly not there. So, um, yeah, I mean, so just uh, to have that uh, irresistible force and the immovable mm-hmm. objects score off in the state semifinals, and man, that game lived up to the hype and then some, which was, it was Looking like for a while, though, that it wasn't going to because this was a game that Allen was down by 21 points at the half, something that you just never associate with Allen. Although that is kind of a, you look at their losses to, you know, to Austin Westlake and to the Woodlands, that is kind of a running theme in which they have a really slow start before having to make a really huge push in the second half. Um, They were just blindsided by that speed that Duncanville had. I mean, Tristan Smith scores on a, uh, you know, a, a what 70-80 yard touchdown, just 18 seconds into the ball game, draws first blood. Um, I mean, just some of the big plays. You just don't see Allen hit with those kinds of chunk plays, and yet they were in really, really uncharted waters there at halftime, and then credit to them for coming out of the half, going into a third quarter where Duncanville hadn't allowed a single point all season, and Allen somehow rips off 21 unanswered points in the third quarter alone, and we're tied 35-35 heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, you couldn't ask for any better theater than that for a game of that magnitude and then you're thinking that, I mean, Allen's got all the momentum on their side. Um, obviously, though, you got to remember, I mean, Duncanville had a historic defense last season, and that group um, just mustered up. I think they got two stops before the, uh, you know, Duncanville's offense finally broke through with uh, Jaquind and Jackson scoring on a 40 a yard touchdown run on, a, on fourth and two, I believe it was, um, with about 302 left in the fourth quarter to put them up 7 42 35 on the following series. Uh, Duncanville defensive lineman DeBrayland. Carol sacks Grant Tisdale in the uh, in the end zone for a safety. And that was all she wrote. I mean, just a, a, a hell of a near comeback by Allen. And um, Duncanville, though, showing it's uh, the kind of uh, fortitude that you weren't really sure. Because that was a team that, I mean, Duncanville just had their way with everybody, it felt like, up yeah. until that round. So, I mean, just for them to... You know, persevere in a in a moment like that when you have just when you have Allen. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the Allen juggernaut, a team that just is. I mean, they've been through this stage so many times before, and they are just so used to owning second halves mm-hmm. of these games. So for Duncanville to show that kind of resolve was very, very impressive in the uh, in the moments. You know, obviously not uh, you know for the Allen fans that are listening to this. You <laughs> know, a, a sore spot, but still, I mean, still another terrific year for Allen, going to the state semifinals for the seventh straight year.
3: Yeah, poor
2: Allen. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all go bad. For yeah. how will they recover
1: <laughs> no one's going to be shedding any tears for Allen, who again is yeah well just the third loss that Allen's had over the last seven years yeah just <laughs> the ungodly run that they're on right now but yes that was the best game that i saw a game that lived up to the hype and then some um you know you mentioned a uh rallett saxy uh you know quality matchup and, uh, and girls soccer was it was that also a team uh, game that was in, uh, in consideration for you as far as the overall
3: yeah you know and and typically over in that district the garland mm-hmm. ic district it's, it all comes under of the sacks. yeah they're the two best all-around programs they're generally Competing, when they meet head to head, it's a rivalry. They're close, they're neighbors. Um, you know, a lot of kids that go to Saxie live yeah. in Raleigh. These kids grow up together, and, you know, they're the two best teams in GIC. Mm-hmm. So it's always something a little bit extra when they meet because it's a rivalry game, but also because the stakes are usually higher because there usually are district mm-hmm. championships on the line. Some of those games didn't really materialize this year. You know, they came down to the, to, to the you know, the district championship in football was supposed to be between those two, and they came in undefeated, and you know, or mm-hmm. within a game of each other, and then Saxie went like in second 48 nothing and one of the biggest anomalies that you'll ever see Uh, but yeah that girls soccer game I mentioned it was just you know Saxe's had a stranglehold in girls soccer they'd won six straight district championships coming into this season Mm -hmm. Rowlett has been right there you know right right there on their heels Uh, they shared their district title two years ago or, or last year I should say and uh, you know Rilet led all season long. You know they do the point system uh, mm-hmm. for the first time this year in Say. In, in so Rilet had that little one or two point cushion that they held all season long. And of course, as fate would have it, they play in the final day of the regular season. So rilette's leading by one point in the standings. Mm-hmm. And so and, and there's a good crowd. You know, it's soccer is kind of hit or miss as far as the tennis goes. The weather's sometimes bad. It's cold. It's whatever. But you know they had a great crowd because mm-hmm. it's these two teams. They knew it was at stake, and they really kind of lived up to the billing out there at Rowlett. Uh, their home crowd was, was pumped. Saxie comes out and scores twice in the first 12 minutes. And you think, okay, Saxxy's so it's, it's still Saxxy's uh, game to beat. And um, Rowlett didn't do anything for the first 25 minutes and they finally get a chance and it capitalize on it and it just kind of you know the crowd getting back into it the sideline was pumped up uh it's two to one and then their activity really picked up on both sides both both teams really elevated their level of play a lot of quality chances on both ends but the score remains the same um until late in the second half and uh taylor conway who's rather outstanding um sophomore not to be a junior but sophomore forward. Um, one of the top scorers in the area. They've been trying to get her free, trying to get her the ball in space all game long. And Saxie just, you know, they blanketed her. And she finally got a chance. She finally got the ball in space, and, and she did what Taylor Conaway does. She beat a defender, beat the keeper. Uh, all of a sudden, it's 2-2 two two with seven minutes left. Mm-hmm. And Rowlett, you know, you can see it on the sideline. They, they just they have the momentum. They've come up, overcome a 2-0 deficit. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to win this district championship. <laughs> and... Um, Take sexy about a minute five to respond. Uh, is Chase Thorne, uh, who who really is, is was not one of their top scorers, but it, like Kristen Campbell told me after the game, she's like she just comes up with some miraculous goals sometimes. Mm-hmm. She just finds a way that that's just unexpected, and she buries a shot from thirty yards out, and uh, again out of nowhere basically. And now all of a sudden, Saxie's up three to five minutes left, and they're able to. Brilet did mount mal- mal- late charge, um, but uh, but. Could, couldn't get the equalizer. But it was just, a, like I say, soccer matches are kind of hit or miss uh, in, in terms of, you know, most people, if they're going to pick a game of the year, it goes to a shootout or mm-hmm. it goes 12 rounds deep in a shootout type stuff. But I just thought, given the magnitude uh, with a district championship on the line, given the fact that it's the two best rivals in Garland ISD, mm-hmm. and, and, and just the fact that it kind of did live up to the hype, I mean, I just, it was a really enjoyable game to watch.
1: I do love that aspect of how those two have their district schedules aligned to where they always see each other during that last. Part of the uh, of the round robin because yeah more times than not these district championships do boil down to whoever's you know whoever's yeah. rolling between Saxey and Rowlett um, you know I uh, I almost arrived on an Allen girls basketball game as my pick for best game <laughs> out of Allen I know you yep. did though Taylor so another another thrilling chapter from their best yep. ever playoff run talk a bit about
2: that yeah the historic run and and almost came to an end at the hands uh, the hands of Saxey um, and the regional quarterfinals mm-hmm. uh, to make the first ever regional tournament they had to go through Saxey obviously some history um, Allen and had some success uh, in the regular season, but You know, Saxy in the playoffs is a a different beast, and and I think everybody, um, you know, I don't know if if everybody admitted it or not, but I think everybody kind of leaned towards Saxy, even though Allen had that run. They were they were playing so well, you know. Obviously, they had Nia, they had talent, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, everybody kind of felt like you know, it's at the Colville Center, it's it's Saxy in the playoffs. You know, this could this could be Saxy's time to really kind of make a run after a couple disappointing uh, playoff runs. But um, you know, it it looked that way. You know, with just over eleven seconds. Seconds left in the game, you know I'll go right to the exciting finishes that we've been talking about. Just over 11 seconds, Avery Kraus uh, lays one in. Saxy's up, 49-48. Um, you know you get one possession if you're Allen, and, and it just felt like you know Saxy's going to do it. You know Saxie's going to hold them off after a crazy back and forth, exciting game. Um, Avery Kraus, perfect story. You know going out on top, and this is awesome. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know they come down. Tyler Jackson misses uh, for Allen, and then it's like, okay, really, like you know they missed. That was their shot. You got, you know, the ball in the hands of somebody um, that you wanted. Um, it bounces around, and little Sydney Adams is just waiting right there. The smallest player on the court by far. I think maybe the smallest player on either roster. I'm not positive about that. But little senior Sydney Adams, it, it comes right to her. She immediately just throws it up uh, right off the backboard and in. And I think, you know, the, the collective mood was kind of shock. I mean, she knew what she did, and Allen was going crazy, but everybody else was just kind of like, you know what just happened that was her first bucket of the game that was her only score and and she lives you know she called it the senior dream um to make that shot, obviously for Allen, it sent them to their first ever regional tournament. Turns into their first ever um, first ever state tournament appearance. So you know, lots of good games in that run. You mentioned the Hendrickson game. Um, you know, lots of, of moments that'll that'll stand out. But for me, you know, covering that one, just the way it ended, the the swings and momentum, actually looking like they they had done it and, and kind of advance on a last you know final seconds bucket of their own, and then all of a sudden Sydney Adams uh, comes up with that moment. It was it was awesome. It was cool to see how excited you know she was. Obviously. To, to be able to give Alan that moment and and that was definitely it's one of those games you know you don't necessarily think about the varsities all year but it was one of those like you know I know I'm gonna write about my best game at some point and yeah. you know that's gonna be it like you know it's not gonna be top and, and it was it was funny because people were following you along Twitter yeah. and text updates I was at the
3: Saxon Jesuit boys basketball mm-hmm. playoff game and uh, Avery Krause's father is assistant coach for the boys team so he's oh. following along on it and I can watch I can see his reactions right. <laughs> down on the, as he's getting updates and they were behind and they came back mm-hmm. and Finally came back all the way and yeah. got the lead, and then you could see. I mean, I didn't even have to check Twitter; I didn't see right. anything. You're just gauging his just, body language, you could just see. He went to the <laughs> end of the bench and just did this number, yeah. and he just. I said, "Oh well, sexy the lost," yeah. and then of course I see you on Twitter. You come with the last second shot. And I was like, "Oh yeah. wow, what a heartbreaker!"
2: But what a great game, also.
1: And there wasn't a timeout called after the Kraus bucket. Allen no, just read
2: right down. It and, was crazy.
1: Do you remember if that? Yeah, I guess it would been fascinating to know, in hindsight, if Teresa Durham had a timeout at the time or not, because there I don't that, remember that top is. remember. It is kind of like head. a. Yeah Tactical question they often have at the end of basketball games: Do you call a timeout and set something up, or yeah. do you try just to bank on just the chaos of transition and that if you just go right back down, right. you'll be able to catch them, you know, out of rotation quick enough to get off a, a decent shot before uh, you know time expires. And yeah, I mean, just wow, yeah, <clears throat> you obviously couldn't have worked out any better yeah. for Allen. They, they got, got a good considered. look
2: in the first place, if I remember right. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what Tyler Jackson shot looked like, but I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it was a terrible look, and then it didn't go in, and and that was kind of it. Was just all in one motion, it was like, uh, oh my god. And it, was, it, was, it was crazy.
1: Uh, let's see, let's round this out with our uh, Taylor, you and I, our picks for Plano. Yeah. The best, uh the two best games that we saw in Plano. Um, for me, this was one that I had a feeling this was going to be my pick before the game was even played, before the football season even started, because as I'm you know, plotting through, okay, this is probably what my tentative schedule is going to look yep. like. September 28th, Prestonwood Christian and Houston St. Pius, the rematch from the state championship game the year before and taps, I've, ironically enough, my game of the year pick the yep. <laughs> the year before, running right back, yeah, it was just an absolute, just thrilling, thrilling game. Where Prestonwood overcame an 18 point deficit in the second half, won by one point, just in just some incredible, incredible theater. And they brought back a lot of the same pieces. For a rematch in non-district play, so obviously you know we're close to the same stakes, Um, but nevertheless some some bragging rights between you know what was perceived at the time as you know two of the top you know top teams and taps Mm -hmm. for last season, and um, I mean it's insane to think of just how high a bar that first meeting between them set and to think that the rematch either met or exceeded. Yep. I mean, just wow. This game was, I mean, just the, uh, I mean, it was a, a fantasy football fans, just a dream. <laughs> you had 105 total points, almost 1100 yards of total <laughs> offense between these two teams. Um, and ironically enough, some uh, some callbacks to that first matchup because the roles were kind of reversed because it was Preston Wood that was just rolling them, you know, early on in the game. And I believe they they had a double-digit lead, you know, for much of the second half, and then St. Pius makes a furious charge, and um, and then they uh, and they end up, you know, overcoming a 16-point deficit in the second half, and they take a 48 to 44 lead with 2:39 left in the ball game in the fourth quarter. And you're thinking, I mean, wow, what a perfect measure of redemption. Obviously, nothing can entirely replace losing a state championship, but as far as um, you know, getting a nice little measure of redemption, would um, just how sweet it would have been for St. Pius to not only be able to overcome the same circumstance that they fell victim to one year prior, but to do so in Prestonwood's home field would certainly make a you know driving those uh, you know four hours north at least a bit more worthwhile. Um, Two thirty-nine is just a little bit too long, though. Uh, you know, Preston would mount a a last uh, a last-minute charge. Uh, quarterback Dylan Cadwallader, who was you know in his first year at the program, transferred over from uh, from Frisco Wakeland. You know, he stages a game-winning drive and he scores with, I believe, like 19 seconds left mm-hmm. on a four-yard run. Um, and Pressler ends up going on to win that game, 57 to 48. There was like a, a late defensive score or whatever that made it, you know, right. a two-score game. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a two-score game. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a two-score game. Um, so just the, uh, I mean a thrilling finish. You had, I mean, two of the, maybe the two best quarterbacks in taps last year with uh, with Dylan Cadwallader for Prestonwood and Grant Gannell, nationally acclaimed prospect with uh, with St. Pius. I mean, they uh, I mean they just lit it up. You mm-hmm. had uh, both of them combined for six touchdowns apiece in that game. You know, Cadwallader threw for 438 yards, Gannell for 506. <laughs> I mean, this was just, it was so much fun to watch this game and yeah, just an absolute blast to cover. Taylor, how about you, man? Let's close out the first half with your pick for game of the year out of a uh, out of your Plano coverage? Yeah.
2: Um, you know, another great finish. Um, you know, that's that's kind of, for me, what defines best game because that's, like we've said so many times already on this podcast, that's what you remember. But this one also had controversy, which helps. You know, you like to see some controversy. It had some great fan bases, had some elite talent. Um, I'm going to go with Plano West and Rockwall uh, in the boys' basketball playoffs mm-hmm. area round. Uh, ended up being a Rockwall win, <coughs> 57-56, which – you know, those of us that, that followed Point of West all year um, and know that program a little bit, they kick it up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They were playing well. They have some some top-level talent. Ryan Zambie, Dale Miner, um, guys like that. But at the same time, Rockwall, Samuel Williamson, mm-hmm. um, the best player on the <coughs> court, you know, no It'll doubt. The be best and, in the yeah, state. In, in that game. Um, it, we kind of figured that Point West would hang around and maybe lose by 5 or 10 was kind of what I felt like I, I expected out of that game. And instead, we got an absolute thriller. Um, you know, to to cut to the finish, it was, I believe, 57-54 Rockwall. Daylin Miner gets a layup. Um, They get the ball back for a final possession, down one. Um, they go down the floor. Daylon Miner, you know, running the point like he always does. Had a, a fantastic career for West. Finds Chase Ross in the corner. Um, and this is where the controversy ensues because mm-hmm. Chase Ross tries to get a potential game winner up. Um, it's deflected. Uh, the Rockwell defense really in his face. Uh, some contact, I guess. I don't know if the refs were afraid to blow the whistle um, or if they genuinely thought that they didn't see anything, uh, you know, worthy of calling a foul. But the shot goes awry. Uh, not even close. Rockwell ends up hanging on for the 57 Six win, but um, yes, Plano West people were at that game. That was a that was a foul. I, I assume they would I, to a, to a person tell you that that he was fouled, But yeah, I expect nothing less. Um, you know, still a great matchup, a really fun second round game, especially one of those second round games where you're like, man, it's it's a it's a bummer that one of these teams isn't going to play in the regional tournament because it was a lot of fun. There were a lot of talent. Plano West will certainly be back. Uh, they bring back a ton, um, a, a positive you know step I think for that program. Um, you know, and, and some of the young guys. But yeah. Just just the finish and, and the controversy the fan base is like I mentioned it was at Lovejoy so not a huge gym yeah. um, you know it was packed it was loud it was raucous the whole time it was back and forth so it was a fun one with, with again you know a, a crazy controversial ending and, and it, it stood out for sure
1: We've still got, uh, I guess, two more reporters to uh, swing by and give their picks for, uh, for best game from their respective markets, so we'll do a, a quick line change, bring on Brian Murphy and Kendrick Johnson, and uh, yeah, we'll pick that up in just a moment after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly pages of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news and now let's get back to the podcast all right let's uh let's close out this episode of the podcast as we continue our uh, our discussion of our best game selections for the latest installment of the varsities we've got brian murphy and kendrick johnson in the house to talk a little mckinney a little frisco little elm salina what have you brian you got a lot of selections to make for uh, for best game with all your markets so um yeah whether it's frisco little elm Solana prosper where did you land for at least one of those markets
4: we talked about it a little bit on the podcast a, a few shows ago. Uh, I brought up that Salina-Argyle football playoff matchup, that third-round matchup, and and uh, you know how there was a lot of smack talk going around for a team that was fresh off a 40-point whooping. An eerie confidence um, emanating e- from Salina. <laughs> And they, you know, they knew what they were doing yeah. with, with, with some of the stuff they were saying and some of the stuff Coach Elliott was telling me earlier in the week uh, leading up to that playoff game. They lost 63-21 yeah. like four weeks before that. Um, the, and I heard it could have been a lot worse <laughs> if they hadn't called off the dogs. And, you know, Argyle's Argyle. They're good at everything, yeah. especially football. Uh, heavy favorite, state ranked. Uh, and then they're going into this showdown It's with Salina. And, you know, they're like, hey. We squeaked by in our first two playoff games. We have nothing to lose, you know. It, salina, Salina, you know they're a football powerhouse, but mm-hmm. still, they you, you know they weren't Salina last year, uh, in, in you know to their standards, and you know they came into that game with the utmost confidence, the most confidence in the world, and they had a chance to beat Argyle. And I, I was at that game. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was at Ch Collins Athletics Complex in, in Denton. Great, great facility there. You know, it was a packed house. And I'm watching this game. Salinas up 22-19 with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. I'm like, man, Salinas really gonna do it. They they threw the go-ahead touchdown to Brady Cunningham, a freshman, you know, in the back of the end zone with a little over two minutes left in the game. I'm like, sitting there, everyone in the press box is kind of, kind of on their on their heels a little bit. Is, <laughs> is Salinas really about to beat Argyle in the in the third round of the playoffs after losing by 40 plus. Few weeks before, but Argyle with Bo uh, Bo Hugboom and and that that crew there with the with, the, with Argyle Eagles, they marched right down, throw a twenty eight yard touchdown pass, twenty five seconds left or something. Defender slipped. Was there a push off? Some depending on what city you're in, they'll they'll tell you it was either a slip or it was a push off, but nothing was called. Twenty eight yard touchdown. What was your take? that you're neutral oh, in it Switzerland. Was, it was definitely offensive pass interference. Hold on, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you know, it was... Salina, that's him. No, <laughs> oh, I got Salina's back. Uh, no, it was, it was too close to call. I mean, I, obviously, I don't, it's up a, in the press box you can't tell. It was, it was a, was a good know. no call? Y- yeah, it was a good no call. I mean it's it playoffs. The the better team won. Uh, uh, in all seriousness, Argyle was the no most. They did not they? No. They no, no. lost the
1: following round, I think, yeah. to Lake Lovega or something. Yes, yeah. Wake
4: oh, they steamrolled they, they, they steamrolled everybody. Yeah, Wake yeah. was good. Um but yeah, they then the touchdown, twenty five seconds left, they go on to win twenty six, twenty two. You know, the but like I said, the better team won. Um, but heck of a game.
1: Hey. Just crazy, though, in hindsight, when you think of Solana calling their shot and poking the bear, and yeah. like everybody like outside of that program
4: was like, what are you doing, Solana? Dude, I tweeted that link, and I I, I, le- I just got routed by this team like a month prior. I what put the, are you doing? I, I put the most important quote saying, uh, it was. Uh, it's not word for word off the top my head, I don't remember, but this is, you know, uh, the gist of it. Uh, Coach Elliott said something about, our Argo doesn't know how we play in the playoffs, because yeah. they never really matched up in the playoffs. And so I, I I even attached that in my story link on my tweet, and man, you had step you, you know, all the people from the DRC, Brady Keene, all these just guys from literally all over Texas were just replying to Uh, Tep, you know, and they were all like, "What is Salina doing?" Are they Coach Elliott? And man, I, I when I when I saw Coach Elliott after the game, you know, like Salina, they they were. Visibly upset Like the, after the game Like they felt like They should have beat them mm-hmm. And I talked to a couple of Players and uh, You know Off the record I was, I was chatting with them Before I talked to Coach Coachelli And he was like Man Murph, we had them. We had them. And I was like, I know. Man. Y'all had them.
5: Y'all should have won. <laughs> that's the I about about. Me and Matt talked about, like in certain sports, like football, it's hard to be a team twice. Basketball oh, yeah. it's hard to yeah. be a team three times. Yeah. Volleyball is a sport. It's hard to be a person three times. So they had that going for them. And they had that, I guess I won't call it that
4: mojo. Cause that's they, about, the Solana the that they had the Salina time. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a, a thing. Whether like, like, well, you per- can see it or not. It's weird mystical power it's, that Salina yeah. yeah. conquers in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like a ghost it's I mean it's there you can't see it but you can I don't know It's it's a weird thing but it's definitely a thing it's lining. It was in full effect. And it almost worked. Oh, my man. gosh, yes. Uh, Kendrick, where did you land for your uh, your best game to emanate from McKinney?
5: Mine's wasn't even it – was, it, was, it had playoff implications, but it wasn't – It wasn't. I want to call it marquee sport. It was girls volleyball between Boyd and McKinney High. McKinney High had steamrolled, basically embarrassed Boyd early in the year. They had already clinched their playoffs, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Nobody picked them to be in, like, the top. Six, let's know in the playoffs. So they're in the catbird seat, but they wanted to get Boyd out and keep them out the playoffs to put a cherry on top. They were swept boy for the first time since they start playing in the district, and they had them. They were up two sets to one. Boyd comes back. They go to a five setter, and it's like twenty to eighteen. And a girl, Cindy Holcomb, who transferred, like either I think after her sophomore year to McKinney. I mean from McKinney to Boyd had two aces in a row to give Boyd a play-in game against um, McKinney uh, against Plano yeah. which they would go on and play and go to another five-setter Yeah, you could have picked in one, one of those games One of those games and it was basically the same score but it was the reverse and it mm-hmm. kept out the playoffs but I've never seen that that rush dramatic with volleyball going down.
1: It was surprising just in hindsight when you think back to like that boy team and all the momentum that that matchup against McKinney had to give them and getting that win and going It
5: was a lot of emotion. They were emotionally spent like some girls like they were upset they'd make the playoffs not to be fun. They couldn't cry because they had like Dave everything like they won't eat. They won't fumes. I've never seen a team like McKinney that played their hearts out that was going to the playoffs but was upset. You would think they had got eliminated from the playoffs because they wanted to end that bad And it was that void, so that would have been like a program statement like we're back. They were for real.
1: Yeah, it was all too fitting too, just because of what those what that rivalry means to McKinney ISD, just to the entire community. I'm sure the I'm sure that the atmosphere for that game was oh, was so, awesome. sold out
5: sold out gym. Oh yeah, it was more people at that volleyball game that ended up being at their basketball game. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how crazy. That I was. believe in that
1: I've covered only a hand, small handful of uh, volleyball games at McKinney Boyd, but man, they always show
5: out well. Yeah, red, red nation. Another thing too that 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 like uh, with this rivalry, it doesn't matter what sport. Like you literally throw the record to outs. Mm-hmm. I've seen one of the teams like. Like at the bottom of nine six A, and all of a sudden, the other teams in the playoffs was like, "Why is this game competitive?"
1: Uh, let's see, Brian, be it Frisco or Little Elm, what was uh, one of your picks for best game from
4: uh, either of those two markets? Let me kill two birds one stone. Go for it, Frisco Lone Star. A lot of the students that attend Lone Star are from Little Elm, uh, and Lone Star also happened to play in a lot of nail biters. Sticking with football, mm-hmm. you know, they lost ten to seven to Highland Park. They won ten to seven. The next week against Little Elm, you know those weird low scoring games. We talked a lot about how good Lone Star's defense was, and and when I, how they were playing these weird nail biters. Thirteen like to seven. Yeah, something. yeah. So they played back to back ten to seven games. Uh, they beat Wakeland fourteen to nothing, and then they run into the Colony, uh, a team JT uh, was telling me about. You know prior to the season, he is like, they're going to beat Lone Star. They're better than Lone Star. <laughs> they're going to finish. Uh, this year, champions in 5-5A Division One and. Man, what a game. You know, it was another one of those weird games. Uh, it like at, set, at a weird field? We, at Toyota Stadium <laughs> with no hash marks, no yard markers <laughs> on the field at all. You couldn't see anything. Um, Take you back to Saturday, y, YMCA football. Seriously, man. It was like, I think he's on the 27th. I, I mean, I, How do you keep snatch for a game like that? You don't. <laughs> no, I, I remember like I'd, I'd be keeping up with it or I'd be tweeting. I'm like, yeah, he's at the 12th. 27 I mean, or the I, th- I, I don't know He made a play I I don't know He made But yeah And then obviously Bronco The 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 good old hook and ladder play to win the game, and literally in the final seconds, no time left on the clock uh, for the colony. Um, little uh, Lone Star had just tied it up, fourteen to fourteen. Like I said, it was another one of those weird low scoring games. But Mo- you know, most of the high school football, it's we're not, you know, it's not weird to see you know a forty-nine to thirty-eight game stuff like that. We see it all the time. Anything t- under under twenties they're low scoring. Exactly. And so <laughs> the play? so the fact that you know Lone Star had given up twenty-one points to anyone was a shock because they, like I said, they just shut out Wakeland. They had just kept uh, little on to seven points. They just had Highland Park to ten points. And, you know, they were just dominating teams defensively, suffocating them. And they were holding the colony in check. Miles Price and Keith Miller and those guys, they weren't, you know, just destroying and running amok on on Lone Star that night. But no, they weren't. They weren't. It was 14-14. They just, uh, Julian Lair had just connected with Marvin Mims on a a big touchdown to, to tie it up at 14. And then uh, um, I was already, you know, me, myself, and other people in the press box. We were anticipating overtime. You know, the, they were near midfield. You know, it's, it's nothing's going to happen. A miracle's not going to happen. And what do you know? The, the good old, the good old hook and ladder throws it to Keith Miller across the across the middle, and I see, I see Miles Price coming around, come around the, uh, the backside, and he flips it to him. And I'm like, now nah, there's no way. There's just, there's just too much going on. He's not. He was still at like the 40 yard line, for or at least that's what it appeared to, because he couldn't really tell exactly <laughs> where it was. And then he just. Takes it down the the, the near sideline, just keeps on going, keeps on going, and then the, the what made it even better, the Colony Radio crew yeah. was it was at Toyota Stadium, so it was, everyone was in this, the press box there together. And you can hear in my video, the Colony radio crew just going absolutely <laughs> berserk. <laughs> and it just made it made it even better. I mean, it was an ultra Homer call. Super duper Homer call. But, you know, he's...
5: Miles Price! Miles Price!
4: Yeah, it was, it was something like that. I yeah, yeah, I'm sure y'all heard it. And then he it, he almost even, like, kept running all the way to, like, the end of... Oh, yeah, because you State don't know where is. the yeah. end <laughs> <of what laughs> actually is. <laughs> and everyone starts storming the field. Actually, there was, like, four seconds left, uh, technically. Mm-hmm. And they started storming the field, and then they had to get them back out of the sidelines and and then I go talk to Coach Rangel. You know, Coach Rangel is one of the nicest coaches. You'll Shout out to Rudy. That's the yeah, guy. He is, <laughs> he is so nice. I think I, he... He, he remember when uh, I brought up the stuff about R.J. Hampton not getting district MVP, and I was kind of calling out some coaches. Uh, so this is a right Rudy <laughs> Rangel story. When I was calling out coaches on Twitter, uh, what is a five eight doing this and that? And then Rangel told JT, you know, a few days later when they saw him in person, he's like, "Hey, your guy Brian Murphy, man, he's bashing my coaches. I don't, I don't like that." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, Rangel doesn't like me." And so
0: I actually saw
4: him at. The lone, the little elm, the colony softball playoff series. He saw me from afar. And he goes, and he just waved, super nice. I was like, okay, he doesn't hate me. Anymore. We're good. We're good. We're good. But after that, game, he told me, you know, that was a design thing. They actually practiced the hook and ladder Bronco uh, designed, kind of, you know, to to resemble a little bit of Boise State beat your Sooners and the. the, the, the,
1: the <laughs> no, no, hey, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean.
4: He, he takes it back I, to me. It really is, and it, and it's it's <laughs> it's nicknamed Bronco. You know, they, like yeah. I said, they, it wasn't just some fluke thing that they've never really worked on or they've talked about a couple it's, times. It's, it's the most sh- famous hook and ladder play in the history of football. Yeah, and, yeah. and they and they might yeah. have perfected it with <laughs> that play yeah. against against Lone Star to win twenty one fourteen, and then they go on to to win the district title.
1: There you go, man. That is, a, that is a look at at least some of our, our selections for best game in the 7th uh, the edition of the Varsities. We'll, um, we'll be off the rest of the week because Thursday is a holiday, of course. So everybody, uh, yeah, you enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe on the holiday. We'll be back on Monday for, I guess, another uh, edition of these uh, of these Varsities podcasts where we talk about our selections for another of the awards that we'll be giving out uh, throughout the month of July. Um, yeah, folks, uh, appreciate y'all checking this out. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community?